Hi, this is David Vinson, and I'm the superintendent of schools for the Wiley Independent School District, and I'm joined by my co-host, Amanda Martin. Hi, I am the Director of Counseling Services and the Wiley Way, and welcome to the Achieving Kids podcast. Our goal is to provide a better understanding of how the decisions we make help promote the best interests of our kids and community. We will tackle big subjects, entertain different viewpoints, but the focus will always be on equipping you with the strategies that will help them become Achieving Kids. Welcome, everybody. David Vincent, Superintendent and Wiley, and Amanda, you can re- introduce yourself and our guest. Yes. Hi, I'm Amanda Martin, Director of the Wiley Way and Counseling Services. Oh, Dr. Hi. Kelly Jameson is here with <laughs> us, and we're glad that she's here. You know, um, fan favorite from our teacher's perspective and from a parent perspective as well. And when we're talking about our Achieving Kids podcast, one of the really important things that we want to accomplish is making sure that that you as parents are equipped to deal with whatever comes. And the biggest thing happening in this moment, whatever we're dealing with right now is largely dealt with Dr. Sam Jamison, gosh, COVID-19 and how all the intricacies of emotion and social emotional development and well-being is, is right there. So wouldn't you say that's probably the number one thing you're dealing with right now? Yes, absolutely. Yes. People just trying to pivot and adjust to a new school year that looks different, uh, for sure. It's all I talk about all day long. So what we did, and we're welcoming actually parents from across the district that wanted to come in and take part in this. And in fact, parents, if you want to in the future, <laughs> this isn't just relegated to Wiley ISD, if you want to invite other people in, uh, we we appreciated the questions that you sent us yesterday and we added some additional questions um, to get going with regard to how we're gonna take care of it. And we're gonna, work through those questions and if you would help us to kind of answer some of them. So if it's okay, let's just get started. Okay. Sure. Um, How do you help your child that realized the school they returned to looks different? This is the kids that are actually attending school, uh, you know, in a, uh, on campus. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, a lot of the questions that I think we're probably going to talk about today are really more about like a parental response and a parent personality. Right. So if you're like a glass half empty or a glass half full kind of parent, um, it's really important that you engage a lot of positivity, no matter what your child says or how basically how you tee them up for the school year is a lot about the narrative. You know, I always talk about the parent narrative whenever you're walking your child through something. So first of all, let's just be clear. The kids are just excited about being back at school. They just want to walk in the door and sit in a desk and look around and see some familiar faces. You know, if if they've done that, or even, you know, for the kids that are learning virtually, if they can just see their friends' faces, like you've hit the jackpot already. So the kids aren't really focusing too much about the strangeness of the school year. When I talk to kiddos in therapy, they're just ecstatic to have that familiar environment and to see some of their friends. So as a parent, I would say, you know, don't focus on the changes, focus on the familiar and focus on the positivity and about seeing your friends and, and don't get too curious about all the changes, you know, cause if you, if your child comes home and you're asking them about the plexiglass and the masks and the distancing during lunch or whatever protocols your school has put in place, you're asking your child to really focus on the, the changes that maybe aren't so fun. But if you ask them about their friends or did you see any of your old teachers or, 
you know, some of the fun, more positive aspects of school that really changes the narrative for the kids. Well, and that's really timely for us because we do have kids in person, um, but we also have kids in virtual, but they were, they're able to choose now to come back in person for the next nine weeks. Okay. And so y'all just sent that survey out. And so that's great perspective for the parents, for the kids just now coming back into the building. Yeah, because, you know, when you think about it, we have a lot of kids that are, that, well, actually, we, we gave, sent that survey out to 30,000 plus people, 17,000 parents plus, and then times two, and uh, a lot of other people. And we don't have a whole lot of changes, you know, uh, and actually up until on Friday, we didn't have any parent wanting to go to remote. You know, most of the people were coming back on campus. And so as it works through that, you know, the 300 plus people that responded on Friday are coming in and saying, we want to come on campus and working through that, that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When we think about that, again, they're coming in. And one of the things that you've just mentioned is they say, you know, words are ideas for parents to help students grapple with the, you know, the, the cornerstone events. So like football Friday starts, it doesn't start actually in Wiley. We don't have a home game this week, but we have two out of town games. Um, homecoming. Uh, Halloween parties might look a little bit different. Is there anything that we need to do to prepare the kids to say or not say as a parent that might be useful or beneficial? Um, and those who are not, maybe remote parents who are not getting to come to school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's an awesome time to ask for student input. You know, you gotta remember kids and teenagers are wildly creative. So when you ask them about football Fridays or spirit days or pep rallies or homecoming, if you ask the students, what are some creative ways that we could tackle this this year? Remember, a child brain is not limited in the way an adult brain is. You know, we default to rules and, well, that couldn't work because of that. And logistically, that couldn't work. But if you ask a child or a teenager, like creatively, what do you guys think we could do this year for Halloween? Or what could we do for instead of a pep rally? I think you might be surprised and impressed with what they come up with. Plus, uh, it, you know, you value them when you ask their input, right? And then yeah. you make a list of it and you say, wow, these are, these are awesome. We hadn't thought about these. They might surprise you with an idea that could legit work, Yeah, you know, <laughs> that, you're, that our adult, you know, administrative brains don't think of because we, you know, we have a lot of boundaries given, you know, rules and logistics and, you know fire hazard or whatever, but kid brains, they don't care about those kind of things. So if you could sort of blend, you know, adult brain ideas with kid or teen brain ideas, you might come up with something fabulous. Well, I love that because it goes back to what you just said about the parental response, because we got to experience homecoming or we got to experience prom or whatever, you know, milestone moments. And we just don't know if that will look just like that for our current kids, especially our seniors, you know, you guided us through a lot of that last year with our seniors who didn't even get to come back to school. Yeah. And so um, that's a really good thought to get the kids excited and maybe it won't be as familiar to us, but it'll still be their experience. Yeah. And if you tee it up, like they're the pioneers of this yeah. year, you know, like literally give them a label of some sort. Um, they feel like they're in it, not just waiting to hear like what the new restrictions are, you know? Yeah. And I can tell you that from a social perspective, 
you know, the teenagers are getting creative in their own friend groups, in their own homes. You know, a lot of them did proms last year and they went to the park and they took all the photos and they, they did a dinner somewhere, obviously in smaller groups, but they made it work in a way that didn't feel like it was totally taken away from them. A lot of kids will tell you like the dance is the most boring part of the night, you know, like they just want to get dressed up. They want to take the pictures. They want to go to dinner somewhere. They want to go to someone's house afterwards. Mm -hmm. So as school administrators, you know, the, not to say the pressure is off, but socially speaking from a therapeutic perspective, the, you know, the value and the gold for them and is all the prep leading up to the event and then the photos and the fun stuff after. Well, and um, we were looking at, they were sending us some comments from the Facebook feed and how the examples we just gave were kind of high school, more high school examples, but even for the little kids, right? Like their first year of first grade or first year yeah. of second grade, they haven't experienced that before. And so is it, does the same thing apply even to the little guys? Yeah, totally. You know, for example, just personally speaking, Halloween is like our big holiday in the Jameson house. And we have a huge party. You know, we have a big, our neighborhood is basically all the kids that go to the school at the end of the street. And, you know, we've got like 200 people that come to our house for Halloween. So mm -hmm. we're trying to like figure out how we're going to do that as well, too. And it was my own children who said, you know, obviously we can't have the entire neighborhood at our house for Halloween, but if maybe we just wanted to do like our small friend group could like a different set of parents go in different rooms of the house and we could like trick or treat around our house. And I was like, yes, I would have not, I would have never come up with that idea. Right. So again, wow. it's asking little kids, their idea. Um, and you know, their ideas are going to be crazy, right? Cause there are no <laughs> limits to their thinking. So for the little ones and how to do Halloween at school or how to do the parties, um, you know, and elementary school teachers are just off the charts creative anyway. So I say you sort of tap your best and brightest and form some sort of committee to see what they come up with and then poll the kids too. But, you know, they're little. So their, their memory and attention span is not great. So literally whatever you throw at them, they're going to be ecstatic. Do your kids, are they allowed to wear costumes or anything to school? How do you do Halloween at school? And Wiley? Yes. Yeah. The little, yeah, yeah, the little kids wear their costumes. See, like, that's 80% of Halloween right there. You know, they just yeah. want to come to school in their Spider-Man costume. So, Well, and um, we've had a lot of, like, spirit days um, across the district, and the virtual kids will show up on their virtual meeting yeah. in their costume or their spirit shirt, and the teachers, they take their picture, and it's precious, of course. Yes. The irony of it is is that we used to not let, not let people wear masks. That's, that's true. <laughs> you could wear a costume, but not a mask. That's that is you know, really I mean, funny. There we go. Added benefit. Of what we're doing. Silver lining. You know, that's yes. one of the things that we've asked our principals to do. And our principals are fantastic. Mm -hmm. Is find different ways to say yes. Mm. Because that's what it's all been about. And the thing that, you know, uh, my own kiddo has uh, friends who are, are staying at home for one reason or another. And one thing that they've tried to do is make sure Kate's tried to do is make other people feel welcome and and to, and to get into that uh, to to make sure they feel like you know they're a part of it, even though they're remote to to check in to check up to make sure that that's that's a part of it. Um, and uh, for these remote kids, uh, how do they promote socialization? How do parents promote socialization during COVID? Because that, and by the way, parents, 
if you have comments or you have questions during this, uh, please put them in. We have people monitoring that. And if you see me looking over, I'm going to take care. Um, and uh, actually, uh, Dr. Branch has already given me one, but we're going to take care of that. We're going to talk about this, but talk to us a little bit about how we should promote socialization for their child during COVID. Uh, and should they, you know, how do they limit that interaction with the kids, et cetera? Are you talking about after school? Well, I'm just talking about general stuff. You know, how do they promote socialization in general? Because our fear is that they don't have an opportunity to, um, because, you know, they're isolated and in mm -hmm. reason or another, um, how do they promote socialization? Yeah. So um, again, this is going to go back to like how positive is the parent? You know, there's going to be those negative Nellies who, you know, like, let's just suck it up. This year's, you know, terrible, you know. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not. I'm so in your child, you know, as my daughter would say, like catches that vibe, you know, if you're going to be negative, your kid's going to be negative. But if you are creative and just look for ways to say yes, like you said, Dr. Vincent, your child is going to sort of catch that vibe too. So, you know, it, what you're comfortable with, you know, I had a couple girls show up at my door this weekend to grab my daughter to go bike riding. And one of the girls um, she had her mask in her hand and, and they came in the front door. She said, um, Mrs. Jameson, would you like me to wear my mask in your house? <laughs> and I said, no, honey, that's okay. It's just like, you know, like she, her mom coached her on that. You know what I mean? So this is just a new level of manners that I think parents can really work on with their kids is I thought that was extremely respectful for that sweet little girl to say, hi, Mrs. Jameson. And she had her mask in her hand. Would you like me to wear my mask in your house? So um, but that came directly from her parents, right? So it's just, it's how you're coaching your child through this. But socialization, you know, um, for little kids, I think it's it's easier, you know, they can ride bikes or have play dates or play basketball in the backyard or, you know, there's a lot of just sort of outdoor stuff and the weather is about to be beautiful this week. So that's a great way to get um, kids outside and to just socialize. Um, for older kids though, the ones I'm seeing in therapy, this is, they've taken the hardest hit on the socialization because they're teenagers. I mean, they're literally like wired to be with their peers during this transition of adolescence, right? So taking them out of, you know, their day-to-day -day socialization is like, you know, I say pulling the polar bear out of the, the ice caps, right? Like that's it's really, really hard. So, you know, um, I would watch your teenagers very closely. I've had some very unassuming, very social, what you would say is, you know, well-adjusted, looks good on paper. Teenagers just sort of crack a little bit lately. And the transition back to school hasn't been great for them either. And they're confused by it. So I would say, don't assume your teenager's doing okay socially. Um, you know, you really need to have those conversations when they're open about how they're doing with the socialization piece. For little kids, I feel like it's easier because they're always up for play. So you just have to social engineer that a little bit more as parents and you have to look. And I know that working parents who are also doing e-learning, it's incredibly difficult. Uh, but if you can just do a little social engineering for those little guys, um, the payback will be great for their mood and morale in your house. You just have to engineer that in your neighborhood or with your friends or, you know, even grabbing a 
sonic drink after school. It doesn't have to be like a three hour play date, but literally anything for the little guys is going to be helpful. That's a good, that's good to know. Um, because it is that, uh, as you said, the high school kids see everything on social media. It's that FOMO piece that they're all there with and it's, it's rough. Jessica, you had a question that said, this is a challenging time for kids who need special services and are doing remote learning. What are some, some suggestions to help our kids like an elementary, intermediate, junior high? You know, what are, is there some specifics as far as those kids that have special challenges? Like, yeah, I think, um, go ahead. That, that's what, uh, you got it. Okay, um, what we saw in the spring when everyone was learning remotely was um, anytime a teacher can reach out one-on-one -on -one to a student, um, man, their faces just lit up from the little ones all the way up. So if there's an opportunity for those instructors to have a one-on-one -on -one with a child or to mention the child, if they are doing some sort of lesson or recording, if they can mention a child directly, like that child's name, um, it just really helps that child feel connected and engaged. Um, so they just, you know, they want to hear their name. They want to hear their teacher say their name. There's great power in having a teacher say your name, like in a yeah. positive way, not, yeah. not like yeah. David, where's your homework friend? You know, not, <laughs> no, not David, that kind, no. yeah, no, David, not that He's kind of one-on-one. -on -one. I know, but, um, you know what I mean? Just like those kids, they really need the one-on-one -on -one and they really just want to know that their teachers are talking directly to them and making them feel special in those moments. Well, one of the things, Amanda, you had a comment. Well, I was just going to bring up that, I mean, true to form, Dr. Jameson always puts it back on the adult to model this, um, which is so hard. <laughs> but what if our parents are struggling, you know, and they're supposed to be, I mean, because I can totally see us projecting onto our kids the stress and anxiety, but what if that is what we're feeling? What What's our next step? Yeah. So, um, yes, yeah, so I know parents are having a hard time. You know, I had a few parents who were walking the line in the spring of like really poor behavior, you know, and I would just hear it through my therapy sessions with the kids. And yeah. sometimes I would have to call a parent and say, you know, uh, how you doing? You know, it just takes one person to say, how are you doing? Um, yeah. As a therapist, you know, it's easy for me to see those parents that are kind of cracking a little bit or the ones that bring their child into therapy and spend 30 minutes giving me the complete profile of that child. And then the minute, I think I've probably said this a million times before, the minute I say, well, how are you doing with all of this? They immediately start crying. You know, they just, so oftentimes that parent just needs a phone call too. Yeah. But here's the kicker. It can't be a teacher that has had any sort of run-ins with that parent. It can't be a teacher that is um, inauthentic. It can't be a teacher that is uh, known to be cold or prickly or aloof. And you know who those people are, right? These have to be people who can call and have a genuine, authentic conversation with a parent. Yeah. That doesn't sound like we're checking on you because your child's having a hard time. Just, <laughs> hey, how are you doing? We know this is hard. Yeah. Right. It's someone who has some sort of relationship with that parent is going to be um, the important piece. It can't just be like the teacher, like calling all parents on the roster, making it like an obvious ch um, checking the box, you know, you're number 12 on my list. Yeah. It has to be like that authentic 
moments um, that are really going to help parents. And those are those authentic conversations is, is when a parent will say, yeah, we are struggling or yeah, we are needing help or yeah, like I'm not sure how much longer I can do all this. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's a million people at Wiley, you know, those resources and can be helpful. But if we're not checking on them, we don't know. But it has to be the right person calling that parent or else it could A, get worse or B, be ineffective. And it sounds like parents can do the same thing we want them to do for their kids. Go get a go get a coat with a friend or reach out and do even if it's something small for their own mental health. Yeah. You know, in the spring, people were doing um, they would go get a drink and then they would like drop their you know, open their back doors or whatever to whatever car. And then the kids would chit chat and then the moms would chit chat. Now it was engineered for the child to see a friend, but it was also very therapeutic for moms or parents, dads, whatever to connect to. So the secondary benefit is that the parents are connecting and parents need connection just as much as kids do. So if you're engineering those moments for your child, you might be surprised that you also walk away feeling a little bit lighter too. I love that. That's good. Um, one of our other questions uh, was about um, for our remote learners and how they're on the screen a lot, especially yeah. if they're in the synchronous. Yeah. Um, and you've talked to us about screen time before, and now it kind of feels like, well, it's forced screen time. So how do they manage that? If they want to play a game later, is that okay? I mean, what does that look like? Yeah, that's tough. So um, this, you know, this is going to take some parenting moves too. Um, and that's going to be like, I've forced my kid, you know, my, my kids, the last two weeks of school, they had like a bunch of half days, which means they would just come home at noon. And then the default was they'd want to hop on YouTube or they want to hop on their iPad. And I would say, no, no, no. I would <laughs> push them outside and make them go run around the backyard. Um, and they just, they absolutely need that outlet. So um, I will literally make my children go outside and sometimes I will lock the back door <laughs> and I'm standing <laughs> in the kitchen and they're like, let me in. I'm like, go run. You know, like you literally <laughs> have to force them outside. So, you know, they have to go walk the dog or, you know, my second grader is obsessed with riding bikes. So I will like literally have to stop what I'm doing if possible and just go take like a 15 minute bike ride with him. But you just have to find those moments. And I think as parents, oh my gosh, I've got this meeting. I've got, a, you know, 50 emails. I got to prep for this presentation, you know, but it's like if you can literally just, it, it doesn't take long with the little ones. It literally takes like 10, 15 minutes of they just want your undivided attention, right? They just want to, you know, they just want to hear from you for 10, 15 minutes. Even if you just sit at the table while they're eating their afternoon snack or whatever, and just talk to them about their day and then they go do whatever. But I will, I will tell you um, when we were all in quarantine in the spring, I would ask them, you know, what is, what's getting you through this and hands down all adults, all kids, all teenagers of all ages will say, when I get to go outside. Mm-hmm. And I literally like would write sunshine, like on the left-hand column of my notes, I would write sunshine, sunshine. I must've written that word 300 times in the spring. It's like, like humans need sunshine, like we need vitamin D. So to answer your question, you know, these kids are on screens a long time now, right? So 
if we can just push them outside once they get outside, you know, I don't know about your kids, but my kids get outside and then they don't know what to do. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, when I was your age, I would literally spend the entire day in the neighborhood with my friends mm-hmm. playing anything you can think of. So we've got about 10 minutes left and, uh, Amanda, let's make sure we choose the best questions. Or you know what, Dr. Jamison, do you have some things that you'd like to add? Just so, let's let's use the rest of this time to take care of your stuff. So about what you what you've talked about that's important. So uh, what would you have to say? Best tips, tricks, and ideas that will help our moms, our dads, our kids get ready and be socially and emotionally whole during this time. Yeah. So I think um, looking for positive uh, carrots, things that you can look forward to, is important for everybody. I mean. How many people already have pumpkins on their front porch? Y'all, it's like September 20th, <laughs> you know, like. You know, you said this earlier one time and Dr. Spicer has mentioned this more than having like church or what to look forward to. Yes. If, if you have nothing to look forward to, it kind of makes you feel that way, doesn't it? Yeah. That's yeah. A good thing. So, and we're about to enter what I think is like the best time in Texas, mm. fall, you know, like tomorrow's going to be 70 degrees tops. You know what I mean? So like. People are, I think this holiday season is going to be like no other. And holidays, I mean like Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Yeah. Dang, we have earned it, right? Like people just want something to look forward to. So in in my family, we are talking a lot. We're already, my kids love Thanksgiving. They're already talking about Thanksgiving. So any things, you know, there's, there's fall football, you know, football, state fair. There's always things in the fall to look forward to. So that's going to have to shift a little bit, but you have to talk up things to look forward to because what, I mean, what else, like, what else are you going to do? Like, what else are you working hard for? You know, that's the magic of life is in those moments of big dinners or putting your pumpkins out or, you know, getting your jeans out and your boots for fall. I mean, those are the little things that like, that's the good stuff of life. So if you're not looking forward to that in an academic setting at school, which is easy to do with kids um, and teenagers too, and at home too, then like, what, what are you doing? Right? Like, what are you working so hard for if you're not going to look forward to the fun things? And so what should parents be looking for as far as like signs of depression or distress in their teenagers? Because like you said, we've kind of been in this for a while now, you know, and now they hopefully have some things to be looking forward to. But what if their parents are still concerned? Yeah. So, you know, I think you have to have those conversations with your child. You can't assume because they're back to school that they're happy. Some kids are saying to me who have been in school now for a few weeks. um, Now it feels weird to be at school. Like it felt weird being at home and now it feels weird being at school. So I get that, you know, because I will go into my office to check the mail or something. And I'm like, oh, I got to get out of here. This feels weird now. You know, it's like you get so used to one environment and then you go back to the other one where you think you're going to be so like joyful and you're not. So, you know, I think it's okay to just recognize um, that it might feel a little weird. But to answer your question, signs of depression are always withdrawal. Um, Always. you know, lack of expression or joy. Um, but the obvious one is always withdrawal. You know, they just, parents will say they've lost their spark. I'm, I'm concerned they're not as funny or, you know, 
joyful as they used to be. They just seem to have flattened out a little bit or lost their spark. That's usually the first indication or they become real apathetic about things. Don't care about the science test. Don't care that someone invited me to Chick-fil-A. Don't, you know, there's, there's not like an interest in doing things or things that used that they used to care about, you know, like their homework or showering or things that they were pretty much on point with that they just are real apathetic or like ambivalent about is usually a sign that their mood is crashing. Hmm. Yeah, that is, uh, when you think about that, that withdrawal. And then, so then what everybody's going to do is start focusing in to see if anybody was drawing. I never withdraw. Right. Fact, people want a break from me. <laughs> the quarantine has not been good to the Vincent's kids. Yeah. I, like I get more time with everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I miss my people too. And sometimes it's going to be hard, you know, you've got a teenager, like they prefer, you know, they like their alone time, most of them. But you're going to know as a parent if they're doing their usual, like in their bedroom stuff versus mm -hmm. withdrawal. You know, you got to pay oh, no. attention, but you'll, you'll probably know. I've got one kid left at home and she lets us know how everything's going. <laughs> Well, and parents can reach out to their school counselors. I mean, tons of people have resources that are local. And I mean, just like we're doing now, a lot of therapy sessions can be virtual if you don't feel comfortable going in person. Um, I think almost all your sessions you talked to us about lately have been virtual. And so it could be an opportunity to, to go to counseling when you may have not had that before. Yeah, yes, for sure. I mean, I've had a plenty of new people since March. Um, and for some of those people that are intimidated by sitting in the office and being in a room with someone with the door closed, you know, this is kind of a nice alternative. Um, but, you know, if you're a parent and there's something in you that says something's going on with my child, pay attention to that. It's not going to steer you wrong in most cases. So just make a phone call. Just have a, you know, have a parent consultation is what it's called when you call a therapist and you just want to talk through your child. Um, a parent, I mean, a therapist within an hour should be able to give you some pretty good feedback. If you if you can kind of describe your child's profile and then your concerns, um, a therapist should be able to kind of direct you on next steps. Yeah. But if there's something in you that you think mm, something's off, then you're probably right. So we are at, we're at 30 minutes now, and just typically when we wrap up, any last thoughts that you'd like to share with our folks or uh, guys uh, from uh, to, to parents with regard to COVID, taking good care of our kids and those kind of things? Lots of good information so far. Yeah, I think as adults, we get into the weeds about this year and how strange it's going to be. But, um, you know, I've worked with some teenagers and kids who have had some some big transitions in their life, like divorces or moves or you know, death of family members and, you know, these little ones can um, pivot pretty quickly, you know, and rebound pretty well. So as much as, as educators and administrators and adults were thinking, oh my gosh, worst year ever, I promise you the kids aren't really thinking that way. So if we can stay light and loose and flexible this year, we'll get through it. I promise you the kids aren't in the weeds as much as we are uh, emotionally. So if we can just kind of keep it on the up and up and get through it, uh, we're going to be just fine. Well, parents, here's the thing. I'm going to encourage you if you we're going to keep doing these. And one of the things that we found most useful is you guys reaching out and giving us questions about how to help keep our kids socially and emotionally healthy and safe. 
And there's nobody but Dr. Jameson to take good care of it. Thanks for being with us today, Dr. Jameson. My pleasure. Awesome. Uh, Amanda, anything before we get rolling? No, I agree. Thank you so much. And um, it really takes all of us doing this together. And so we love to hear questions so we can know what was the best. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. See you later. Dr. Jameson.